you ought to put every ounce of energy into figuring out how to delight a customer. I mean, dude, you want to be rich, you want to fly a jet and you want to have cars all over the place and all that stuff. It's easy. All you got to do is focus on the customer and just, I mean, <laughs> put all the other crap out of you. It's not about you. It's about them. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. Today, I've got an outstanding guest. This guy is an entrepreneur extraordinaire. And I know he's not going to want me to say that. I think so. Based on his resume and the conversation we had, this guy just knows his stuff about taking chances, building a business, building multiple businesses, buying companies. So real quick, um, something new that I want to point out is make sure you go and check out our YouTube channel. We're building out our YouTube channel. There's tons of additional stuff on there that's not on the podcast. It's not on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Um, so we're building out a couple really amazing things for, uh, for the YouTube channel. Plus, we have free exercises, free giveaways on there, um, assessments, things like that. Just kind of help you navigate and find out where you are, help you plan your week, um, help you plan your life. Obviously, we have tons of stuff in our arsenal, but that's some stuff that we want to give away for free. So go and check out our new YouTube channel. Subscribe to it if you would be so kind. Let us know what you think. It's growing. It's nice and growing. All right. So be supportive if you can. We certainly appreciate it. Um, today on the episode, what we're going to talk about is, oh, actually, before I forget, remember, if you haven't joined the Facebook community, Man on Purpose community, there are well over maybe even 800 members at this point when this episode comes out. We're growing like crazy, a lot of attraction. There's free coaching, there's free exercises, free giveaways. Literally on Mondays and Thursdays, there's an hour long free coaching open coaching session. You can bring whatever challenge you're facing. The only thing you have to do is be committed and be open and be vulnerable and be honest and say, I've got a problem. Can you guys help me? And we're not the end all be all. We're not right. We just have maybe some advice that could help you like another inch or another foot toward your goal. So we highly encourage you to take advantage of that. Right now, there's probably like eight to 10 people on each call. We'd love to have you join us. All right, cool. There's that. Now, what are we going to learn about today? We are going to learn about, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to map these off here or, or um, list these off. What is an entrepreneur or a founder? For those of you listening that clicked on this episode and you don't know, well, you're going to find out. How to know if you have what it takes, the sickness of entrepreneurship, the genius in entrepreneurship, um, introvert versus extrovert leader, which is very interesting. We, we actually talk about that twice in the episode. Um, how to get started, listening versus hearing, big difference, big differentiation. Uh, dealing with FOMO or fear of missing out, um, taking chances on ideas, intrapreneur versus entrepreneur. Maybe you're not cut to be an entrepreneur. However, there's opportunity within the business you're in right now to be an intrapreneur. And, uh, and Brian talks a lot about how you can get to the CEO or get to the decision maker and really add value to their lives. Um, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about uh, spousal support and its importance, or if you don't have a spouse, uh, a, a family member or somebody like an inner circle group, like a group like Men on Purpose community that you can go to to really support you on your journey. We're going to talk about dealing with distraction for those ADD folks out there. Obviously, you hear my intros every time. You know I'm ADD. I bounce all around. I don't have it written down, so just in my head. Um, we're going to be talking about investing in relationship in your marriage versus investing in other things and distracting yourself. I'm going to talk about focusing on the client experience versus the money, the importance of coaching, mentorship, and advisors. What's the worst that can happen mentality? 
and trusting the universe. You ready? Let's do it. Okay. So I was just saying before I hit the record button that the one thing that really stood out on your bio or your one sheet was what was the darkest personal moment you've had um, as you built your business or businesses. And I, I'm, I'm blanking on the phrase misery loves company. That's what it is. It's misery. <laughs> misery begets misery. That's the real, right. uh, the, the reality is the, the more you dwell on all that negative stuff, the harder it gets, man. It's true. Um, like, you know, yeah, when I, I, when I you know, that. yeah, well, I, well I put that question there because there's so many people, I think that, that sort of varnish, uh, their yeah. past and their reality. And, um, you know, the idea of what's a, what, a, what is a founder, what's an entrepreneur, what's, I mean, it's so sort of sensationalized almost anymore these days that, that it's lost a lot of meaning. Um, and, and what really founder or entrepreneur means is a bucket of pain you know, are you, are you aware of what the hell you're going to about to step into? That's right, what that right. means. Go, go a little deeper into that. Cause you know, what's interesting is I like hearing other people's stories. That's what really mm -hmm. triggered me on that question. And I like hearing your stories of trial and tribulation of stepping in the mud, like of getting mud all over you. Like, just how did you get through? That's fascinating to me. And my wife, whenever I get into perhaps a mode that a lot of people do where I'm like, man, this, this is working. It's not working the way I thought it would. And my vision's not matching up. And like, am I off? Is it off? And then I think as entrepreneurs, as visionaries, we start to question, like we have to have a grand vision for things and we have to have the right leverage and systems that can support those things. And sometimes all three levers might be off. And you're like, Oh shit, man, I'll bring this up a little bit, take this down, add this one in. So my wife, some like often, really, to be honest, reminds me and says, "Look, um, I'm not a huge fan of Gary Vee, yet he yeah. has this one little like you know quote that says, um, you know, don't look at anybody as an overnight success. It took ten years to get there." And she always like shows me her phone when I'm like, "What am I doing wrong? Like, why isn't this thing kicking this? Why didn't that ad work? Or why you know whatever." I, well, but the, it's that the, search. It's your, it's your own. I mean, that's your ingenuity and intuition kicking in gear, right? You're looking for, and that's, I think that's the definition of being an entrepreneur. You're, you're sort of cursed with this idea. If, you, if you're a true entrepreneur and this is kind of, and I'm not trying to insult anybody, but sure. I think what that really means is that you're trying to um, you're driven by improving every aspect of everything all the time. And it's sort of like a sickness. Um, I can walk around the office and I can spot problems with the carpet, problems with the walls, walk by somebody's screen. And I'm looking at the user interface of a software platform that we have and, and I'm picking on, you know, button shapes and text size and I mean, all that kind of stuff. Right. It's like, in, in you know, there's a, there's sort of no limit to, um, you know, striving for, for perfection. Certainly perfection is impossible to reach, but I think that's what, that's what makes you, and not everybody's wired for that. Uh, and and nor should they be, by the way. Or does it make you like a whack job, ultra control freak? <laughs> you know, like sometimes I think that in my mind, I'm like, man, do I, am I going overboard? Like, does it, does the button really matter? Does the carpet? It does matter. Really it matters a hundred percent. It matters a hundred percent. I mean, this is where the most successful people in the world um, 
are very, very disciplined around uh, understanding what their, what their true gift is, their genius, right? And everybody's got one. I think what unlocked potential for me, um, because I was one of these, um, you know, gritty sales oriented, uh, I, I, I was got in trouble at work, uh, got pissed, quit, started a company. And three years later, I bought the company that my first company, you know, and so nice. my, my employer. So, I mean, I, I went through that stuff. I was that angry, that angry 20 and 30 year old um, that had a chip on my shoulder needing to prove something. But I think you know, where I really started to experience success is understanding, actually not feeling guilty about, uh, the talent I had for, for, you know, seeing into what's possible, uh, both positive and negative, right. But seeing the future in that way, uh, and also, uh, sort of appreciating, um, my attention to detail. And it was, it, I felt guilty about that for so long because I didn't quite understand fully others gifts. And so, um, what I figured out and it took me a little while and it was a really interesting sort of path of, of learning, but what I learned was everybody, most people are opposite me. Yeah. And one of the reasons, one of the limitations of my success was that I wasn't mobilizing others around me the best way I possibly could. And what I really needed because I was, I created turbulence, I created optionality. Um, and I, I, you know, would be leaning forward, kind of driving on these things. But what I really needed to do was, um, Get, create space for other people that are very sort of evidence-driven, right? That removes risk from whatever you're trying to do or very uh, process-driven and that creates scalability and repeatability. Um, and, and by the way, I don't, even though I want to specify things, I'm not like crazy about needing to build it myself. You know, I'm the guy that has all the, the house projects started at home, but none of them finished. Um, cause I just don't, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to, it doesn't give me joy to, to build it myself. And it doesn't give me joy to finish either. It gives me joy yeah. to start, but yeah. it wasn't until I figured out how to really spot that, the, the complementary talents and others that really kind of unlocked, you know, personal income and success and, and business, you know, value for sure. That's a great way to put it. I, I, I do. I, I, I love talking to other entrepreneurs where I, I don't feel like my, my, the way that I run things in my brain is crazy anymore. Yeah. Cause you, val you validate that it's not crazy. Cause you're the, it's either we're crazy together or we're the sane ones and everybody else is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I will start projects and I'm go, Hmm. Yeah. I don't really see the value in finishing that. I think someone else could be doing that and I could be going doing something else. Like, and, and that's, that is the entrepreneur's way you're kickstarting things for other people to, to then, start pushing that ball down the hill. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're, you might start too many things and that's okay. And as long as your team knows, and as long as you don't have such a sensitive ego that you can, you know, you, you, you can't admit you're wrong or you've made a mistake. Sure. I mean, you, as long as you can be vulnerable and, and sort of own, you know, your shit, then it's pretty good. It works out pretty good. And, and uh, if you can be sort of honest and transparent with your team and let them pick at you and, and you know, you're open and so are they. Yeah it creates this kind of healthy environment and it, it works. Um, but dude, I, it took me a long time to figure that out. You know I mean? <laughs> how long, how long, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I started out, uh, as an entrepreneur when I was, you know, 26 years old, started my first company. Um, and heck that's, uh, that's old. Some, you know, if, if I went to Stanford, I would have done it at 21 and been venture backed and had a billion dollar company. But, right. uh, but no, I mean, I, I've, uh, I've owned, uh, started, founded, uh, bought and sold lots of companies over my career. 
um, they've all been around data or, or so, sort of some sort of referenceable, um, you know, uh, relationship with data analytics. But, uh, but uh, I mean, it probably took me 20 years, you know, I mean, it's only been the last maybe five or seven that I really fully appreciate, um, you know, the, the one not feel guilty about the talent I have, but, but really put a lot of emphasis on building a team, um, you know, having money available to you and all that other stuff. I mean, those are all things that sort of come and go, right. Um, uh, as an entrepreneur, whatever they say, most billionaires have declared bankruptcy a handful of times forever. I never had to yeah. do that, but, but I know what that feels like. Um, yep. and I, I, I understand the sentiment, right. So, um, I, I think, I think those people figure out how to, how to really build a, a machine around them. You know, yep. it's not lifestyle. It's more about, you know, how to get the most out of your talent. I completely agree. There's, I'm always fascinated by how somebody like, how did you get through that ego way mm. back when? And then not, and not let it take you down or, or give me some horror stories of how it tried to take you down or some dark days that you had in those beginning years. Like when you got fired from that company and you went back, you started your own and then went back and bought them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I've always been the kind of person that, uh, you know, I, I'm a people pleaser, right? So that's my nature and I'm an introvert. So I'm not, it's not like I run around flashing gold watches and stuff like that. I'm not that guy. Um, and I think that general nature, um, you know, has done, you, you know, I've done well by that. Uh, I, I do think, um, when I've had these moments of immaturity, it's come from a lack of appreciation or understanding of, of sort of the skills around me. Right. And not everybody is moving at your pace. Not everybody has your skill set. And if you underappreciate those people, then shame on you. You've actually just, you know, sort of wasted or squandered this amazing asset that was there trying to help you. And you didn't even realize it. You know, you were upset with them for, for maybe not seeing the world you saw uh, the same way you saw it. Um, and that, that you basically, what does it take to, to get to, to, um, to kind of have you refocus or reframe your reality? It takes basically almost run out of money, uh, putting your family at risk. Um, yeah. having these sort of dark moments, you believe in something that you're doing, but there's pieces of it that aren't working, but you just kind of bear down on it and you're gritty and you push forward. And, you know, it's sad, but you look outwardly so often at all the things that you could perfect. Um, and it wasn't really until I started racing Ironman and I sort of had these sort of metaphors for athletic performance and, and business optimization. Um, and then you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, why am I looking at the world that way? And then you have friends, people um, will come around you as you're successful, or even when you're struggling. And there's people that are giving you advice. And sometimes you hear it, sometimes you don't. But I had somebody in particular, tell me that I needed to be more vulnerable, right? I got a thick shell, um, I'm defending myself against all these attackers, you know, as a, as a, uh, an entrepreneur and, and sort of lone wolf business guy. And then, uh, and then I had another gentleman um, that sort of showed me that, uh, again, this whole thing about uh, kind of talking you through how to, how to appreciate these skills and, and uh, the genius of others in kind of just a really interesting way. I remember I complained about somebody. I was like, Ramon, why is so-and-so being a jerk like this? And, and I'm like, you need to go fix him and uh, go talk to him. 
you know, typical boss mentality, right? Yeah. You know, you, you know, go task people, go fix that, go fix that. And it was funny. And Ramon, uh, you know, this guy that that uh, is sort of a bit of a coach and and sort of an organizational uh, strategist with me today, uh, he just turned it right about back on me. And he was he started he started saying, no, 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 the problem isn't this other person. The problem's you, you know. And once you hear that, all you need to do, if you're, if you're listening, you just need to hear that one time. And uh, even when you have these moments of immaturity where you might, you know, lose your cool or get frustrated with something or whatever, um, it's still parked in your head. It's like, you can't ever take that away. You, you, you've got that signpost out there, like, Hey dummy, it's you, not them. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, I think that's what it is, right? I, I had a moment where, you know, I was, I started an enterprise software company with my own money. And it's like lighting millions of dollars on fire and just watching it burn. And then all the people that you have as you're, you're sort of running down, you know, this path, they're all dancing around the fire and you're like, yeah. oh man, um, there was no brochure when I started this, right? There was no, <laughs> nobody said, Hey man, you're going to, you're going to burn tens of millions of dollars on this idea that you have. Uh, and it's going to be really fun and you're going to almost lose everything you got before you make it. And so like, if that was the message beforehand, you know, you there's no way it. I'd get on the ride. No, no, no way. No. no way. So how do you do that? What's, what's your, what's your background look like? How, how do you, mm. how, like, did you go to school for this? Did you mm. study? Like, do you just. No, I studied day- philosophy in school. Uh, <laughs> I was the kid. I got mad. I remember when I was whatever, 14 years old, I wanted a job. I wanted a real job, you know, beyond just mowing lawns and stuff. And I got mad because I wasn't old enough to have a job. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I love working. I'm just one of those people that loves to, loves to do like my wife, it drives my wife nuts. We'll sit in our backyard with our dogs. We'll have this relaxing couple of minutes, you know, fountains going all that stuff. And three minutes later, man, I'm up tinkering with something like moving a leaf, futzing with something i mean it's kind of funny um and so i think i've always just had a a a big drive and a big work ethic um i I was a you know had all kinds of jobs as a kid uh and then and then when i started my first company um i really started leaning in with customers and and uh they they will tell you what their problems are and if you again if you're listening you can build an entire business around customer demand just by listening to the customer um and so that's how I got my start. You know, I was born with that. My father was in the military. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. We weren't, we certainly weren't poor, but, um, but, you know, there wasn't, you know, I went to a state school, um, you know, had a very typical, normal upbringing. Um, I'm just gritty as hell, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, what that comes from, I don't know, trying to please my father, chip on my shoulder over something, Probably. Uh, All those things. you know being a pudgy fifth grader i don't know where it comes from but it came from somewhere it's all it's all all, it has to be all those things have a have a have a bearing on the on the foundations you know the bedrock of our existence not existence maybe our our um our psyche it's just it's interesting i always like to hear from entrepreneurs how they like i get this question all the time from friends of mine that are teachers or they're in corporate america and they couldn't imagine they're making $300,000 a year. And they're like, why would I leave? And I'm like, why would you stay? And they're like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think like you. And I'm like, I get it. And if you did, you'd have a freedom life like I have. And they're like, yeah, but see, I, I think that. of that differently. I mean, I think the world needs this cocktail of, of people. And of it's like, uh, 
like a guy like you, uh, definitely a guy like me, I create chaos and optionality. And I need those people that are risk averse to bring me back down to the ground, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a healthy little, you know, virtuous circle that if you can harness it, I mean, it's pretty good, but I, you know, this, uh, most businesses fail. It's because, you know, people have these grandiose ideas of, of what it's like, you know, making money and flying around in jets and, and all this fun stuff. Right. Um, and they don't realize how, how, uh, you're kind of betting everything on you, you know, every day, every day. Yeah. My dad yeah. used to tell me that all the time. He's like, he, I would, I, I started a towing company and, and, uh, increased mm. the size of the trucking company in my dad's shipping business when I got out of college. And he was like, I'm like, how do I know this is going to work? And he's like, you don't, you just push all the yeah. chips in on you and you let the universe decide. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> what if we lose the money? And he's like, well, then we'd freaking make more. And I'm like, oh, okay. That sounds simple until he's until, you know, it did fail the first time. And he was like, cool. Now you're 50 grand in the hole, which is owed to me. And there's an interest yeah. running, son. The timer's ticking. Oh, funny. Yeah. Still running. I was like, Oh shit. And he's like, yeah, I mean, what do you think? This is like a free ride. You failed. Yeah. I'm like, well, why didn't you help me? And he goes, well, I did help you more than you'll ever yeah. know. Cause I yeah, let you fail. 100%. But yep. like, these are, these are friends or people like in our mental purpose world who will come to me and say like, I'm miserable in my job. Mm. How do I, how do I get out? And I'll say, I mean, you just have to get out. Like we're, we're building right now a, an entire wing of this company literally because there's so many people that call us and say, how do I quit my job? How do mm. I start my own business? And we're like, geez, we're, we'll build curriculum for that. We'll, we'll help you and we'll build a coaching pr platform just to help people. One of the, yeah. And I, I think one of the opportunities that people have, and, and there is this grass is greener phenomenon and it drives most of commerce in America, right? Um, yeah. From, FOMO. from cell, cell phones to, you know, to Hermes bags. I mean, it, 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 so that's all good. But, um, you know, one of the things like if, if, if I can impart any advice to anybody, and I, I really don't like to give advice at all, I could just tell war stories. But um, <laughs> if you really think about like what, what you're good at and what gives you joy, you might realize that actually the job you have is uh, a gift and you're just yeah. missing it, right? And it's most of the time it happens in these roles. Um, even though I'm the CEO of a company, you know, I work for people here, right? And, and, I, and that's how I think of it. And I, I think if, if there's somebody that's struggling with their existence in a, in a, in a job uh, or, or, you know, wanting to change their situation, I think it all begins with really, you should be a student of yourself and your environment first. It's like, how do you make decisions? Um, what, what's the, what's your boss? I mean, is there just a natural conflict, uh, between the, what your boss's style and yours? Like, do you start in the past and they start in the future, which is most of my employees and me, right? I start in the future. They start with the history. I've got a bunch of software developers and engineers and their natural inclination is to start on what they know they can trust, what they can touch, but I don't need that in life. I, I start with what's possible. And it's not that either is wrong or right. It's that there's a, there's a there's a natural friction there so if uh somebody that's sort of struggling with this and and sort of wanting to change their circumstance i think um we've done it here uh we've had these same kinds of discussions with the employees here and, and my partners um there's a lot of magic that can happen from that introspection and just almost like mapping your world you know 
Um, and once you start seeing that, people, you know, do they start in data? Do they start with a sequence? Do they start with ideas? And then you watch these patterns emerge. And if you can be a student of those patterns in the organization, man, you can, you know, you can be an entrepreneur and, and not take any risk. Yeah, that was my next question. So what, what about the entrepreneur philosophy? And like, we always need, it is actually a very scary world that you and I live in. Let's just single you and I out because we're on this call together. It, it's actually a, a scary world. You have a couple years on me, but like, I still, I still look at my kids sleeping at night and I'm like, am I, am I, am I too like mavericky right now? Like, am I going too ballsy? Am I being a good dad? Am I being a responsible business owner? Am I, am I casting this vision that's way too big for where the company is? Like it's, it's unlimited variables as an entrepreneur when you have a grand vision and you could, you, there, there are people within the company that could be a, a, an incredible right-hand person to you, you or me. And I actually have those in my world, in the mental purpose world, people have stepped up and said, Hey, what, whatever I got to do, like I quit my job and work for you guys. Like, I love your mission. I love what you're doing. That's how, you know, the vision is working and you're sharing the vision with people and they see it. Like talk about the entrepreneur role, just in case people are listening and they don't understand what that is. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I will tell you that every CEO, and I know a bunch of, of public companies, private, big private companies, small startups, they're all lonely and all they want, all they're ever looking for is somebody to help to solve some problem for them. Right. And what that, what that begins with, uh, inside an organization, again, a way to the easiest way to get promoted, uh, is to understand the company's business model. How does the company actually make money? Um, and how can you make that business model more durable and then turn around once you understand that, um, you know, our, we have a software platform, for example, and we get paid when a customer gets value out of the platform. That's the only time. And so that's our business model. So then when we go to the CEO, the CEO has got a whole bunch of challenges, right? Organizational design issues, um, you know, productivity issues, money management issues, sales issues, product feature issues, all these things. And so if you start with understanding what the business is there to really do, what the economic model is, and, and really nobody, believe it or not, it sounds so obvious, but most people don't know how their company makes money. Like, or, you know, they just have a job, they're a cog in the big machine, but they don't really think about, you know, how, how does, why does a customer come to that business? Um, what are the benefits? What are the outcomes the customer's trying to get to? I think that's a big thing that gets overlooked so often. And then you have an opportunity to sort of start carving out space for yourself um, and doing it in a very low risk way where you can create almost a new career, a new job. You want to yeah. be in the C-suite or you want to be a director. Um, you can create, chart your own course by understanding the model, the economic model, and the, the, the business model itself, and then become a partner. I don't care how big the organization is. That CEO is lonely. Yeah. And if you can figure out what's in their head, they will tell you you know, it might not be discreet. They'll say, Hey, our, our priority this quarter is X. But what he's saying is, Oh my God, last quarter, we were, we were, we were almost died because of why right. And so if you can listen to what's going on and pick up those signals and then, uh, you know, start providing optionality to the leadership, um, start thinking about uh, potential solutions and how to strategize uh, some of those things. I don't care if it's, 
you know, uh, if you work at a front desk and you're worried about greeting a visitor in the office, right, and creating better customer experience so that you have better retention model, or you got a good customer service strategy with people on the phone, or you're de literally developing a product, it's the same thing every single time. You can make it relevant to your world, and and uh, uh, I, I I try to do that. You know, you're gonna laugh. I tried to do that twice when I was still an employee. I try to start companies inside my former employers and, and the employers, you know, they, they just, it was like an antibody. Yeah. <laughs> so here I am, I've been on my own 20, 25 years and, and that's what, this is what I got to show for it. Have you ever read, um, I'm going to butcher his name, Paul uh, Van Duren, his book, mm -hmm. the guy who started Vans. Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't read the book, but I, I know the story. Okay really cool founder story same thing yeah. when he worked for the fir the first rubber company he worked for he was like yeah this isn't gonna work and just started working all night long and he would change the molds on the machines and the owners would come in and go what the hell are you doing and he's like yeah, yeah don't worry this works better you guys you've been in the big business 40 years i i know <laughs> i'm 18 i know and these freaking guys <laughs> let him change it yeah. and then egotistically later on they kicked him out because he was, yeah. he wanted, he wanted too big. And that's when Vans was started. And he started that bootstrap shoestring budget, painting the whole warehouse himself, you know, with his sons. It's a yeah. cool story. Really cool story. Yeah. And it reminds yeah. me of that. Yeah. Trying to change things. Like there are entrepreneurs born from entrepreneurship. Well, that's my first. So I started, I tried to start like a, an agency, basically a services business inside my first employer. Uh, then I started a data and, and uh, analytics business inside my first employer and my second employer um, and my last employer, uh, I started a whole new line of business for them. And it was wildly successful, uh, actually posted more revenue than any of their other products in a short <laughs> amount of time. But I got reprimanded for doing it. And, and it was like a gut punch. And I, so I know exactly the feeling. I literally I can picture the moment. I, I'll never forget. I almost cried. What are you you're just thinking? Like, you're like. Wait, is this for real? Are you joking? I'm like, what do you mean? I thought I was coming in here to get like all kinds of kudos. I was a sales manager and I oversaw a bunch of people and all this stuff. And, and, uh, I took my eye off the ball and these guys didn't agree with the, the product idea and all that. Well, guess what? Three years later, I, that my idea was so successful. I had cash. I bought that company. Yeah. Um, and it was just like a funny thing, but I, I totally, uh, appreciate, you know, those sort of um, Genesis stories, because I've lived through that myself. I mean, I think if you're, if you're hell bent on, you know, living in the future and, and doing something extraordinary, you're not going to be able to work inside a framework for very long. I mean, it just isn't going to work. You'll, you'll yeah. wreck it. <laughs> Here, here's a question. A bunch of my buddies and I were talking about the, the sort of old world mentality of save for the future plan for retirement. And this is all founders, all entrepreneurs. Uh -huh. And they said, you know, like, um, what are your thoughts on that, Ian? And I said, you know, dude, I, I, I don't struggle with anything in my life. This is something that I think about constantly because that programming is in there about like, mm -hmm. oh, save for the future. And what if something happens to you and retirement? And then I'm like, but I also want to live in sunny Southern California, which is more expensive than it was in Baltimore. And I want to mm -hmm. do cool stuff with my kids while they're young, because you only get that one shot. And like, I want to balance that. So what, what are your thoughts mm. on that? What, what are your thoughts on the balance of the now versus the future? Because in my mind, I can always produce. 
and is that short-sighted? Well, and I appreciate the sentiment. I think, you know, there's the older you get, uh, and I'm in my forties, I'm not quite 50 yet, but I, I'm getting there. Um, and the older you get, you, you do start looking at, you know, sort of horizon lines and stuff like that. And it's just good discipline and planning, but I've been the kind of person that, uh, it's not that I live for today. I don't have that behavior. I'm a very, very disciplined person and I'm, I'm, uh, uh I'm pretty calculating in investment uh, strategies and all that stuff. But, um, I've never really appreciated or, or thought about this work-life balance thing or sort of that risk profile. When I was at my sort of, you know, weakest financial condition, you know, my wife was even like, keep going, you know, just keep going, keep pushing. It's one thing, you know, your life and your family is one thing. It's not one against the other. Uh, my kids got to see me go through that and they're better for it. Um, my kids get to do amazing things now because of, of all that hardship. Right. And so, and, and I think that experience makes them better for it. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm just, the, I, I never think about a, a decision as, um, you know, like a cost benefit analysis, uh, of every little minutia kind of thing. Um, there's stuff you want to do and you do it and you figure out how to make it. Um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, uh, of evidence that would say, that, uh, you know, you'll grow into whatever spending pattern or investment right. pattern or, or financial liquidity situation you got that you'll just kind of, you'll fill in the blanks. And I think that's probably about right. I mean, when I was, you know, I, I would take my kids traveling and, um, you know, we would have fun, you know, doing stuff and I would always try and mix that in. And I'm very fortunate. I've got a great wife and we've got an amazing relationship. And I think that's also part of the key to it. Um, I think yeah, talk, about you, you that. Know, talk about that for a second. Spousal support. I have an incredible support system in my wife and yeah. I know other guys that are like, man, my wife's always up my ass about money and about spending and about saving. And I, I mean, I think in my honest opinion, that would have been detrimental to me. Mm. It's almost like, um, it's almost like you, it's like you cut the anchor loose when the boat's not sailing fast enough. And I think yeah. that's why a lot of entrepreneurs get divorced is because yeah. their wives don't get it. They're, they're also, it's their fault. Like they're not in the marriage. They're in the business coming home to the marriage. What are your, what are your thoughts on spousal support and how important that is? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I think one, it's so much easier. I'll, I'll never forget a good friend of mine when I was in my twenties, he had been married five times, twice the same person. And his first advice, uh, his advice to me was, was, uh, if I could do it all over again, I would have stayed married to the first one. And it wasn't that he wasn't in love with his, his current wife. It wasn't any about that. It was just sort of life's journey and the chaos that that was. Right. And, and so to me, when you think about your choices, you have choices that elevate your opportunity and you have choices that pull you back down. So I think of like atmospheres, I want to go up into new atmospheres. Well, guess what? Uh, things like divorce, things like womanizing, things like all these other things that people do because they've got a weird ego problem. Um, and again, that's probably you know an opinion I probably shouldn't have even shared here, but I, I think that's a human weakness. Like I'm highly competitive. Uh, I, I want to kill everybody, and my competition bleeds into that. I want to. I want to have the best marriage. I want to have the happiest wife. I want to have, you know, a, an intimate relationship there. That's not just, again, opportunity cost between, you know, work and life. And, 
financial commitments at work and, and vacation commitments with your wife or whatever. I think of it as like this one thing. So I, I, Pete, to me, I think the best entrepreneurs are these ultimately, you know, I mean, they're just hyper competitive and, uh, and they're mature. So I think of this, like my, the way that manifests for me is I'm hyper competitive. I want to kill everybody. And so if someone's got a weak marriage, I I'm like, you know, I got one on you, you know, right, right. Um, because they're distracted. How can they be good at work? How can they be good at building a business? How can they be good at building a team? If they're distracted by that, their ego and, and maybe some immaturity. And so again, this is my point of view. Doesn't mean it's right, but, yeah. uh, but that's, that's part of it. So I, I think, um, and then you then just look at the practical cost of it, right? Um, there's just a financial and emotional toil that uh, divorce and these relationship problems take on. And it's a lot easier to invest in the relationship you got than, you know, to unhook and, and start over again, right? Remodel the house. Don't, don't build a new one. Don't, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Like relate, re, invest in the relationship you have. There are so many people that come into my world coaching. They want they come to our seminars, our live events. And they're like, I'm on, I'm on the out or I just got divorced or I've been divorced for a year. It's the worst fucking thing that I've ever done. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a blatant bat to the face reality check that yeah. you didn't do the work. And in 2016, when my wife and I were heading toward this, this divorce door very quickly, uh, which didn't happen, by the way, I remember the divorce attorney said to me, I'm not going to submit this paperwork because you guys haven't mm. done the work. Yet. You haven't done the work yet. This will be the biggest regret of your life that you can never change. It will affect generations of people, no matter how much money you make, how much you mm. donate, you, you will never, ever, ever live this one down. And you'll hate yourself because you didn't commit to the work. You wanted to jump ship and get a shinier new car, you know, like go wash the car, go look under the hood, go do the preventative maintenance, go work on the car you have. And I was like, Hmm, you know what? This is one of those things when my dad would say, my, my dad said to me, like, look, man, I, I always tell you, like, you can learn from my mistakes, which are a lot cheaper than your own mistakes has already paid the consequence and the price. I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be the most costly mistake you make. And yeah. I usually don't tell you that it's going to be a mistake, but I'm telling you it's going to cost you the most. So obviously we, we committed to working on things, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs that don't do that. They're moving so hard on the business, but remember like yeah. it, it's, it's the ego. Like you mentioned, it's also the identity. Their, 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 their identity is so caught up in providing and being that guy that, mm -hmm. that they can't spend any more energy or resources on anything else. And they just are willing to deal with the effects of the let go over here, the family, the wife, the, the marriage, all that stuff to stay in that identity. And it's just a, it's a hard place for people to be. And we deal with it every week. Yeah. I sort of, I, I can appreciate that. I think that is we, a weakness. Like if it's, sure. and, and, and I think you're exactly right. Um, I think that's where a lot of that stuff comes from. Um, I can picture and, and, and think back to several people that kind of fall in this bucket. And it's, you're so worried about image and, and your ego that uh, again, you're, you're focused on the wrong thing. It's yeah. like, you ought to put every ounce of energy into figuring out how to delight a customer. I mean, dude, you want to be rich, you want to fly a jet and you want to have cars all over the place and all that stuff. It's easy. All you got to do is focus on the customer and just, I mean, <laughs> put all the other crap out of you. It's not about you. It's about them. 
And so if you are, if you, I mean, it's, it's, it's so easy to say, and it's like cliche because it's in every other book written on any kind of basic business principle, but just look at the distractions of all that stuff. You know, if you're worried about uh, what people think of you, dude, you got it. You're doing it wrong. I mean, yeah. who gives a shit? Focus yeah. on what the customer needs and what the core fundamental problem that they're trying to solve is and just dedicate yourself to that, man. And, and you'll, you'll have success. There's no question. Um, what about, I, again, I just look at all, these are all, this is all this friction that gets in the way of that. That's how you yeah. build a great company is you, you, you know, you build a product that everybody wants. Yeah. And then you eliminate the distraction. Well, that's life too, though. That's life too. It's personal development. I mean, as a, as a personal development coach, like I tell people, it's not about acquisition of tools and tips and tricks. It's about eliminating the shit that no longer works inside your head, your body, your habits, your mindset, like behaviors, your attitude. Yeah. That's an entrepreneur. That, that what you're saying is you're, you're trying to encourage the, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit in your listeners, which I think makes perfect sense, right? You test, yeah. test, test, shed yeah. things that don't work. Keep moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on comparison to others? So I get this question a lot where people will say like, I just can't stop looking at Instagram which obviously we know is a <laughs> choice. It's a choice. I can't stop looking at Instagram and looking at my friends from high school that like did made a million bucks in crypto. And like, I'm sitting here at this job and I go, all right, well, why don't you invest in crypto? I, I don't know. What do you want me to yeah. tell you? Your friend invested yeah. in crypto. That's something that happened. You got on Instagram. Yeah. That's something that also happened. Stop getting on Instagram or stop yeah. looking at your friends thinking that they're better than you because they have more money. Yeah. Yeah, there's always going to be, again, going back to the atmospheres thing, there's always going to be atmospheres of, of personal wealth, uh, yeah. personal achievement, satisfaction, all this stuff. Um, and uh, again, I know people that are enamored with the whole crypto thing, too. I'm not, I mean, sure, I have some investments there and all that stuff, but I'm not a huge, like, I'm not, a, like, I'll never tweet about anything. I hate right. social media. Um you know, I, I'm just, you know, it's, and it's not because I don't appreciate the medium. I just think that, that it's, it's become this really weird distraction. And um, I, I do think, again, if you go back to like that idea, I don't care who you are, even if you're Bezos, there's somebody on a dimension that's in an upper atmosphere. Bezos isn't the happiest guy in the world, right? He's no. a short, bald guy. He's all roided out. And now he's spending money on space and doesn't know how to you know, nice. explain shareholder value and all that stuff. <laughs> Yet the world operates on AWS and, and AWS yeah. is the largest, the largest, you know, monopoly uh, yeah. on the planet. And, uh, and it's, it's amazing. And he's built a hell of a business, but there's somebody above Bezos, you know, that he sort of would aspire to be, I guarantee it. That's what I was picking on. Yeah. He aspires to be different than what he is. You just know it. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody feels the same way. Everybody is looking up at some atmosphere, you know, whether you got a bunch of net worth, uh, a bunch of toys, uh, you know, or not. Um, there's somebody always looking up. And so, I don't know, once you sort of learn that trick, then you, you do get to kind of flush all that stuff. And that those crypto guys that made the money overnight, it'll be gone just as fast. So it's okay, right? That's true. <laughs> That, you know, that's a, I had that conversation with someone last week where I, I said, like, look at NFL athletes. They don't they don't have a mindset to handle eight figures. They yep. don't have skills. They don't understand how to handle that. That's why they're broke. That's why lottery winners yeah. are broke. Ninety five percent of them. So yeah. I, I want to dot, jump on dot com point. millionaires like my my era. You had all the dot com millionaires before the market tank. 
Right. And on paper, they were worth millions of dollars. And the next day, nothing. But it, it screwed them yeah. up because they, they thought of themselves as these millionaires. Yeah. Agreed. I totally agree. So um, importance of mentors and coaches. Mm-hmm. I always like to ask this because like of successful guys like you, how often do you have do you have a mentor? Do you have a coach? How often do you coach? Like what what is it that you're doing to grow you as a man, as a business owner? Do you have an Ironman coach? Like hmm. who's teaching you? Yeah, so I, I I would say the the short answer is I've got dozens of them. Um, you know, I when I was younger, I really didn't uh, appreciate it as much, and I, I had a lot more to learn then. Um, I wasn't as introspective, right? I thought I could control everything in the world, right? Uh, and I think I go back to my Ironman experience, and I you know performed at a very very high level. I had two of the top coaches in the world, actually. Um, and uh, I learned a lot from them and the method and the discipline that it that took. And, and remember, I'm an entrepreneur. I, like, I, I don't ever want to do the same thing twice. Well, right. if you're going to be an athlete, guess what you got to do? You got to perfect something and, and do it over and over and over. And so it was just a, it was, it, you know, it wasn't natural for me. And so um, I had a, a bike coach out of New Zealand that was a Tour de France mechanic guy and all that stuff. I had a nutritionist, um, chef, I mean, all that stuff. And, and it was, it was kind of wild because you learn these people come in your life and they sort of help you, uh, they supplement, you know, weaknesses maybe that you have or help you look at life a little different way. And then as that's evolved, um, you know, I, I really appreciate having advisors now. And, and so I seek them out. And, and what's really interesting is that if you really look around, um, you don't have to like set up a formal relationship with somebody, by the way. What you, if you just look around, there's people that are like, they have their hand out offering you almost yeah. like a hand up. Yeah. And I, I think of a gentleman that I deal with uh, on, on sort of an infrequent basis now. He lives down in Texas and uh, he's like this gift. He's, he's one of the foremost experts in his subject matter. And he just calls me every once in a while saying, Hey, how's it going? How can I help you? You know, it doesn't cost me anything. He's not trying to, he's not trying to, you know, take advantage of anything. He doesn't need any favors. And it was sort of, it's sort of like this weird thing where if you just pay attention, people are out there trying to help you. Um, yeah. You know, that's kind of part of humanity, right? And, and we have this natural desire to help each other. So anyway, I'm a big proponent in, in, uh, in coaching. Uh, and I, I also think that there's these people that come into your life if you're open uh, and they'll give you these gifts of wisdom and, and life lessons. And again, if you can absorb that stuff, you know, you should. I remember I had a guy in my house, uh, he was installing something, I forget, like in my gym or something. And, and uh, he just said, sir, can I ask you a couple questions? And he just started to ask me, how'd you get started? You know? Yeah. And then, and so we had just a nice chat and he was absorbing all the stuff. And uh, he, he shared that he, his whole dream was to start a company. He was saving up the money um, to start a particular type of business. And he was, you know, just trying to make sure as he was preparing to kind of launch and, and take all the risk. And, um, you know, you run into these people that have this wisdom, um, that you don't have, you run into them every day, you know? So anyway, I met, I met a guy on my honeymoon uh, 11 years ago, 10 years ago, the guy, it was a very high end hotel. I got this cool deal on orbits for like a hundred bucks a night. It was a, it was like a thousand bucks a night hotel. And I got it for a hundred bucks last minute. Um, yeah, my honeymoon was last minute for all those people that are wondering. <laughs> <laughs> um, because my wife and I didn't have any money at the time. We were broke. I was 
you know, like we were just broke. And I said, like, let's just, we'll wait on a honeymoon. And anyway, um, the very little people at this hotel, it's only like a 30 room kind of one of those mm. private hotels yeah. on a marina in Curacao. And the guy pouring the water said, same thing to me. Can I ask you some questions? And I said, sure. And I stood up and shook his hand and he said, no, no, yeah. please, sir. And I was like, no, dude, you're just a human. I, you don't yeah, know my exactly. situation, by the way. Like you think that I'm this yeah. wealthy guy here. Although yeah. I have that mindset, my bank account doesn't reflect it in this moment. That's it. <laughs> and I'm telling you yeah. right now, we still talk. This wow. is the water boy, the water wow. guy at a random restaurant, at a random resort in Curacao. We still talk at least wow. once a quarter. Good and for I, you. And I, 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 he may listen to this, and I, and I, I, I wrote to him and just said, like, hey, man, are, like, are the choices you're making right now in alignment with your future? Just that's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yep. Yep, no, there you go. Because I'm, I'm watching some choices of his and I'm like, you know, I'm going to do business with you in the future. I want to make sure that my brand and your brand are, are matching up here. So we're starting to do some work together. He's down in Jamaica. That's the thing. Like, you just don't know who can learn from you, who's watching you, who you're a model for, and who has their hand reached out that you might not be paying attention to because you think they're not good enough or they're not tall enough or they don't drive this the right car. Meanwhile... Yeah. Like they, I, I, my, I said to my grandfather once, like, why do you drive this old Camry that's stick shift? And he was like, because I don't give a shit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Does that mean you're broke? And this is me young. And he was like, no, yeah. I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of money. I just, I don't care about the car I drive, but I buy fine watches and I have apartments all over the place and I have fine artwork. That's what's valuable to me. And yeah. so the that comparison piece is like you just have to really open up you like one of the one of the missions of mental purpose is to help you reveal your most authentic self yeah and, and in doing that you actually learn that this is what i like and i don't give a shit if anybody else likes it or not or they like uh -huh. that i like it. i just like this and i'm okay with that and i i, I want to harken back as kind of we wrap up here you mentioned being an introvert and i i struggled with that in in my 20s in my early 30s i struggled with the fact that all these people are extroverted and I was in the real estate sales business and, and all these yeah. people are so extroverted and like, well, I don't want to talk to anybody. And by the way, with entrepreneurship, I don't want to repeat things either. I uh, want it one time and keep rolling. You take it. Hey, you take that and go, I'll try yeah. this over here and you take it again. So like, how did you deal with being an introvert mm -hmm. and having to do the things like talking in front of people? Like you gave a commencement at your alma mater. Like, how yeah. did you, I love, that? I, that's the thing is I love, uh, and enjoy the idea of public speaking. And I mean, I do that all the time. Um, we have a, I, we acquired a company, we got all, all their employees at our headquarters today. And it, it, you know, it's kind of a, a funny thing. And so I got to, you know, give a chat and all that. So I, I love that stuff, but I don't get my energy from it. Right. Um, and so I think, uh, I, I think the, a lot of, in, uh, introverts what's really funny about it and this is the, the the little neuroses i think that comes out of it is as an introvert you replay what you said for like a week and then you stress about it and i think that's <laughs> wild where an extrovert will maybe you know do a, a a speech or something like that they'll get that energy but they won't care like you know how people reacted or every little word and so i think it's just kind of funny i have just um as you can tell on this podcast, I, I you know, I, I enjoy, uh, you know, sharing my war stories. Um, like I said, I try and avoid, you know, giving advice because it, it, it advice sucks, but 
but personal experience, I think, you know, maybe there's some lessons in there. Um, and I don't know, I think that's probably just something that, uh, even as an introvert, um, I'm doing it for different reasons. I'm not doing it for my ego. You know, I, yeah. it doesn't give, it, it doesn't give me joy to, you know, have links on the website or whatever. Um, but it does give me joy to, to be thoughtful and contemplated with you and, and maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, help somebody that might be listening. You know? Well, dude, I, I got, I got a ton of notes here <laughs> and I can tell you right now, like it will be very helpful for people. And so, yeah, dude, this is, I mean, just knowing that you're not the only one sometimes helps. And even though, you know, for a fact that of all the billions of people in the world that you're not the only one. Yeah, sometimes in your head, you feel like, fuck, man, I'm the only one that thinks this or feels this way, or I'm the only, only entrepreneur out there that can't speak like this or wants to do video or whatever it is. That's not yeah, me. I'm yeah. just saying like, <laughs> no, so yeah. that that's helpful. And I think it's got, it brings a level of, um, I think it brings a level of comfort to people for them to keep another foot pushing forward when like both feet are kind of in mud and they're like, you know what? If Brian did it. Ian did it. Like, fuck, man, maybe, I, maybe I could do it. I, I might as well. well what's the worst thing foot. that can happen? I mean, I, when I, when I started my first company, um, it was risky, man. Uh, I did it on a credit card. My first customer didn't pay me, you know, it was like a whole thing. Right. And I didn't really have anything to lose. That's what's funny is I didn't realize that at the time I thought I, you know, oh my God, what, what if I don't run out of money and lose my house? But you laugh because you're, you know, when you're starting these things, it's not like you're betting your entire, you know, the reality is you can go get a job, you know, there, there's so much unemployment. You can get a job and make money and feed yourself, right? We're not talking about that. So if that's the worst that happens is that you got to go worst case deliver Jimmy John sandwiches or wait tables or something simple while you get your feet back under you. That ain't so bad. You know, so there's cool people that work at Jimmy John's and it's kind of funny. It's uh, it, once you realize, and once you sort of just, uh, uh, you know, make peace with the worst potential outcome, it gives you freedom. Um, you know, I think what, what you, what, what's funny about it, and you might agree with this or whatever. I think my big weakness is I, I don't want to let my wife or my family down, but mostly my wife, Dude, that's yeah. the ego. Yeah. So this is, that's that, the that jewel that I protect is what my wife thinks of, you know? Yeah. That, that, that's what, it, that hits my heart when you say that. Cause that was the question this morning. And my wife was like, like the universe has never failed us. <laughs> and I'm like, it almost brings me to tears. Like when I think about her yeah. fucking trust in me, like this woman's crazy. I think sometimes yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> you got her. Snowed, she dude. Me. Yeah. Completely I, snowed. She, I was like, no, you're right. You're right. And she's like, and just because like the universe has delivered the life you asked for, like, look at this view out our backyard of the ocean. Look at, look at the, look at the, the trip you just took with your daughter up the coast to show her elephant seals. Like that's your life. You created that. Now yeah. take advantage of what the unit, what you asked the universe for, which was more time with them, less yeah. running around and busy. Like your yeah. son's yeah. down here, your daughter, we can take your daughter to school. Like, and, yeah. and so she said, like, there's the worst case scenario in your head. You, you, you're never going to let me down because in the last 10 years that I've been in business with you, which by the way, we got married and six months later, I was like, let's, we're yeah. starting a business. Under her direction, by the way, I would have started stocking yeah. bananas at, at Wegmans, but she was like, <laughs> you need to go do something. Like, so I, 
I, I think about that. And, and she goes like, the worst case scenario is not what you think. And I'm like, I understand, but I don't want to let you down. I don't want you to have to live that life. Like yep. we're in our upper thirties, yep. you know, mid to upper thirties. Like, I don't, I don't want us to have to take a step back or do this. She's like, it's never let us down and it never will. Now get the fuck out of the way. Like that's your job <laughs> is to get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I 100%. get She sounds like a great lady. <laughs> she is man. She definitely is. So Brian, dude, this has been, this has been awesome. I really appreciate I'm telling you yeah, right now, it. there's a lot of insight in on these pay on this, on this uh, episode. I don't know about insight. that. There's, there's a lot of war wounds that, 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 uh, that those, that, those little words, those little gems came from, but yeah. Yep. Well, it's hindsight. It's definitely hindsight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's um, maybe I'll name the episode hindsight's 2020. Hmm. If you yeah. have any names for it, you tell me. If not, I'm going to name it Hindsight, dude, because everything you're telling me here is, like, it's about the vision and stuff, but, like, the everything that we've learned is because we made the mistakes and 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 failed through it, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, there's a line that, uh, you know, you've got this journey, and it seems, you know, uh, sort of nonsensical sometimes, but it's only when you look backwards that you see how all these little moments connect when you're looking forward, you can't see how that connects, but you look backwards and you see how it's not like a bunch of branches. It's one path. Um, and there's a lot of connectivity and evolution that happens along that path. Um, I think that's very true of me. That's realizing that gave me some comfort too. Um, that like nature, you know, nature will sort of propel you forward in some ways, but you gotta, you gotta take advantage of it anyway. But it's been great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for spending some time with me. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Likewise, this has been great audience. Make sure you go check out Brian and all the wonderful things he's doing for the world. And, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, rate it on iTunes or wherever you listen, make sure you check out our YouTube channel. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Brian.